Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. I think you should learn, of course, and some days you must learn a great deal. But you should also have days when you allow what is already in you to swell up inside of you until it touches everything. E.L. Konigsberg, from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, I'm joined by my friend and bookstagram celebrity, Hunter McClendon. Hunter and I are both avid readers, but our reading lives have definitely been affected by these pandemic days. Today, we're talking about pandemic brain and how our literary tastes have changed since March of 2020. Before we get started, this is your friendly reminder that From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an indie bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. As our store heads into the last three months of the year, we hope you'll consider shopping small. Our online store is always open, and we'd be so happy to mail holiday gifts your way. Because of, you know, supply chain issues and potential shipping snafus, I, like everyone else, am encouraging you to shop now. This month, we've got three virtual events designed specifically for our long-distance customers to help you find book titles for every reader on your shopping list. Just visit bookshelfthomasville.com to snag your tickets. At the risk of beating a metaphorical dead horse, and I'm sorry for that gross metaphor, October is the new December. We hope you'll support our small business when you shop this holiday season. Now, on to the show. Hi, Hunter. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you for having me here. Okay. You and I texted about this topic. I don't even remember. We've texted a lot during the pandemic. (laughs) We saw each other in person, which was beautiful and glorious. (laughs) So, um, but we were texting about this topic because I feel like I keep texting you. Am I okay (laughs) to not be reading what I'm normally reading? Why do my old literary shoes no longer fit is what it feels like. And you feel similarly, I think. Um, yeah, like, first of all, there was about, I think the first six months of this year, it was very difficult for me to read any book I was picking up. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. and and I and I knew, like, I, there were even books I was rereading that I have reread many times and been just as in love with each time I read them. And I was like, why am I not even able to connect with these books that I have loved for years? Yeah. So even rereading wasn't was wasn't working for you. No. And like and I and it's so funny too because I was I I think about how a lot of my favorite authors had books come out this year too that I was like oh surely I will and and I even um I think I talked to you about like Lauren Groff her new book Matrix just came out which yes. I do love but the first time I read it I was like it's I, I'm not connecting and I, it was because yes. the br- pandemic brain. Yes, you had a hard time with that at first, I remember. Mm. And I, so I want to talk about pandemic brain because you and I are talking about this. I feel like there are think pieces about it. There's Adam Grant's think piece about languishing. And I think all of that, like burnout, fatigue, exhaustion, all of that certainly plays into what I'm calling pandemic brain, what you were calling pandemic brain. What are the symptoms to you 
of pandemic brain. I have the ones I think, but I'd love to hear what you think. When you say pandemic brain, what do you mean? I think that like for me, it's just being like, honestly, it feels like being malnourished while also having like four energy drinks at once and knowing that, you know, another planet is like heading towards our very destination. <laughs> Which kind of eliminates, like, it kind of makes you feel like, why bother? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the point? I think for me, when I mean pandemic brain, I think I mean a change in attention span. Mm-hmm. A change in capacity for intake. Like, it's not just attention span because I still, now, boy, have I watched a lot of Friends episodes. Like, like so I'm definitely, yeah. even even TV and movies aren't hitting quite the same. But I can, it's like I can intake certain things, like a 30-minute episode of TV or an hour and a half long movie. But my capacity is limited. And then what I can handle is different. And I think a lot of people have talked about feel-good literature, but that's really not even it for me. Although I definitely appreciate feel-good literature. There was a time though where feel-good literature almost also felt like too light. Like, like, like we're going through a pandemic and I'm reading about things that it feels like I'll never get to experience again. (laughs) It's yeah. It's one of those things to me where I, like honestly i think a lot about this past year i've thought about how when i was like 15 16 17 i was going through a lot of hard things and it was really hard for me to read about like people who were just like you know dancing through fields of daisies because i was like okay well mm-hmm. great like i'm not able to do that super you know because you kind of <laughs> do get bitter about it but you also yeah. don't want to read anything that's super triggering because you're like well i want to just cry now yeah Yeah, I thought briefly, this is an idea that I think I've gone ahead and nixed, but I thought very briefly about for the summer of 2022, doing a nostalgia young adult book club, which we've done with Babysitter's Club, we've done with some 80s, 90s YA lit this year. But I was like, oh, we could just do it for the summer and we could call it Summertime Sadness and only (laughs) read teen angst books. And then I was like, Annie, no. (laughs) No. Summertime sadness? That's that sounds so depressing. <laughs> also, I don't know if you can handle like I or maybe I'm just thinking about like my personal teen angst books I read, but like Oh, some of them are dark. Like if you just Google teen angst books, because I was like, what would come to mind? And then it was like the virgin suicides. And I was like, well, I don't know. Well, there's literally an author, Ellen Hopkins, who writes like the teen angst books, you know, like, and one of them, one of my, one of my favorite ones when I was 16 was called Tricks. And it's literally about like teen sex workers. And like, who, when you're like, do not let your, I mean, I don't know, like, you know what, like, I I guess I thought it was great when I was 16, but I'm also like, who let me read that? Yeah. Yes. So I'm reevaluating the summertime sadness idea. (laughs) I put it on hold. I put it on the shelf. Um, But I, I just feel like pre-pandemic, you and I read a pretty, our Venn diagrams had a pretty wide overlap. Mm-hmm. Lots of literary fiction, literary nonfiction. And it's like, that's the first, that's the first sense I lost, or that's the first bit of taste I lost in terms of pandemic brain. Literary fiction became this thing that I felt like I could no longer, I felt so ambivalent about it and felt like I couldn't finish a book, couldn't, couldn't get into a book. I, I loved how you word it. Like 
I couldn't connect with the material. And that was so disheartening to me because literary fiction is typically what I say my favorite genre is. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even really think about it. It's just the natural answer that kind of rolls off my tongue. And now I'm like, what do I like to read? <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, I, it's, you know, it's so funny because I, I think you and I have talked a lot about how this year it's like, wow, it's like, is literary fiction just like not nearly as good as it's been? But I'm mm-hmm. also wondering like, or is it just that I'm like, I don't know, hypercritical and hyper aware of everything because of where we're at? Yeah. Okay. So how is your reading life currently? Like you had your highs and your lows in 2020, early 2021. Where are you now? Uh, so the National Book Award long list and now short list uh, for fiction was just uh, released this week. And I, that's just something I love every year is reading those. I'm still like, I'm not reading at nearly the fa- the, the pace I used to read at. Um, mm-hmm. Like, especially lately, I feel like I've only been reading like a book a week, which feels like nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and- you... Even your numbers, like not that it's, you know, it's not important, but you typically read so much more than I do quantity wise. And I lo- I don't even remember what your last review was, but I was like, oh my gosh, I've read more than Hunter this year, which is unheard of. Like, uh, honestly, it's so funny, actually, because I noticed I was like, I noticed that you had read more than me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, who am I? Like, what is going? I'm glad that you noticed that, too, because I literally thought the same thing. Yeah. 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 So. You're not reading maybe at the same pace. Do you feel like you're getting your reading, like your reading legs back? I do because I, I've been pushing myself. I've been pushing myself because at one point I just kind of like, like, and I do this a lot, but when a book wasn't jiving with me that like, I knew it was good and I knew that I would have liked it at another time. I kept pushing, but then I'd get to like, I'd literally get to 80% done and then give up. Mm-hmm. before I finished the last 20% because I was like, I like, which I feel like is like a sign of depression. Um, <laughs> but you know, but then I started pushing myself to finish like the last 20% and that kind of helped me. And also I feel like I've just read some really great books in the past couple of weeks that kind of have helped. I think that's what has helped me. I think you and I are almost too different frames of thought. Although I've been at different places in different points of the pandemic. I think currently I am feeling a little bit better about things because I've read when I finished, you mentioned Matrix, when I finished Matrix, which I think because I knew you had struggled a little bit with it just to get it, just to connect with it Mm -hmm. at first. And because I knew it was a departure from Fates of Furies, which I loved. I, I don't know if it's that I had low expectations or just that I thought, I think I honestly thought I'm not going to be able to finish this. I'm going to start this. I'm going to read a few pages enough to talk about it, but I'm not going to be able to finish And then I wound up falling in love with it and devouring it. And that was so surprising to me that I, like, it gave me this reader's high that I hadn't had Mm -hmm. in a long time. And so since then, I've read books like Bewilderment or The New Richard Powers, which I loved, or we finished Middlemarch and then we Mm -hmm. read My Life in Middlemarch. Like, I think I finished some of these books that I thought I wasn't going to like or wasn't going to be able to finish. And that kind of gave me, the incentive I needed, I guess, to keep going. So I currently feel much better than I did maybe four weeks ago or six weeks ago. But I also think it's funny, your solution has been to power through. I think mine has been 
just forget it. Like, you know how we frequently talk in reader world about like, how do you get over a reading rut? And before I used to say, oh, I read a young adult book or I read a rom-com or I read a thriller, like anything kind of genre specific that I can fly through. And now I think I'm kind of like, don't read. Yeah. If you're in a reading rut, don't read. Get your content somewhere else, which sounds <laughs> bonkers to me. Like that's not the typical advice I would give at all. But I think sometimes we just don't want to do something and it's okay to feel fatigued by something. And chances are, if you are a lifelong reader, the love will come back. Like it will come back. And so that's another thing that I guess I've kind of realized is don't panic and don't try Mm -hmm. to force something. Maybe just, maybe just say, okay, I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to watch a movie or I'm going to spend time with Jordan and a book will strike. Like for the first time this week, I've been like, oh, what am I going to read next? Like, yeah. which I have not had that feeling in months. I think partly, I mean, my life like yours is kind of dictated by book world. Like I need to be reading for shelf subscriptions or I need to be reading for work or fall literary lunch or whatever. All things that I really like. But this week, for the first time, I was kind of like, ooh, what am I going to pick up? Like, it was, it felt more serendipitous than it had been in a while. So I think that is maybe, maybe the pendulum is starting to pick pick up steam. I don't know. No, yeah. Well, as I was just about to say, I think that it is a tricky, like, I think that a lot of people have been affected by, you know, the pandemic with their reading. But I also think that, um, I was wondering, you know, like, if if this has made you reevaluate your relationship to reading because, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, cause this, cause I think that it's reading has become tricky for you with it really kind of being a huge part of your job. Yes. I think pre pandemic, whenever people were like, Oh, do you still love to read? Mm-hmm. I would have been like, yes, I love to read. Like it is absolutely my favorite hobby. It is when I feel most myself post or during we're not really post pandemic <laughs> let's be real <laughs> um this phase of the pandemic i definitely feel like and maybe this is even if not healthier more realistic i think i am realizing oh reading is part of my job and there are some things i have to read for work i hope shelf subscriptions and discovering a shelf subscription always feels exciting and like a gift, but there might be some months where it just flat out feels like work because I'm having to work around publisher deadlines and Mm -hmm. release dates and trigger warnings and all kinds of things that make it hard sometimes to pick a shelf subscription. And so if I could tell myself, and I think I've gotten better about this during the pandemic, I think if I can just tell myself, yeah, you're reading that for work. And Mm -hmm. maybe the next book you read should just be what Annie wants to read. And I think I've been way better about that this year. I've read, and even last year, I read more YA lit. I read more kids lit, like comfort lit, revisiting books. And I read this year, I wanted to read Jane Austen. Nobody Mm -hmm. told me to read Jane Austen. That wasn't good for business. Like, like that was, you know, Jane Austen books sell themselves. That wasn't for the bookshelf. That was strictly for Annie B. Jones, like something that Mm -hmm. I wanted to do. And I think that has been such a gift this year to just read something that was utterly for me. I think about the book and it wound up resonating with a lot of people, but I read this book called Millennial Nuns, Uh not particularly the best written book I'd ever read think they needed an editor. But did I love spending time with those modern nuns and then 
a couple of months later, serendipitously reading Matrix, like, like because I read Millennial Nuns, which I didn't think I was going to sell at the bookshelf. I just thought that sounds good to me. <laughs> and then I did wind up selling copies, but like that was a perk. That wasn't the plan. Yeah. And so I do think, I wonder if one benefit out of all this will be a more healthy expectation of what my reading life looks like and that some of it is work. Mm-hmm. And some of it is still surprise and joy and fun. And it's okay if the work part doesn't always feel joyful. Like, that's okay. Yeah. No, yeah. And it's, I, it's so, I don't know. I, as you were talking about that connection too, by the way, of, of like millennial nuns and Matrix. I thought yeah. a lot about how, because I, I sent you a paragraph from Matrix at one point. I was like, oh, because like, you know, we've talked about how, Lauren Groff lists Middlemarch as her favorite book. And I think yes. you can you can tell that yes. in any of her, but especially like, I think that Matrix really shows that. And I, it's so funny because I was thinking, I was like, wow, I was like, I really would not have been able to fully appreciate what I know of Lauren Groff's fate. Like I, I, w- I wouldn't have been able to make that connection as, as well if I hadn't read it. And so I just loved being able to. Yes. And, and I think, look, Middlemarch is something I, air quotes, had to read. You mm-hmm. and I had made this commitment not only to each other, but to Patreon supporters. Like, <laughs> you and I had made this goal. And so reading Middlemarch, make no mistake, felt like work, yeah. especially certain sections, certain yeah. books. But did I get a whole lot of joy from talking to you? And then so much joy from reading authors like Lauren Groff or paying attention to the works of Greta Gerwig and seeing that book through their eyes and then following it up with My Life in Middlemarch by Rebecca Mead and absolutely being blown away by it. So like, even though it started as this task I had to do for work, once I remembered I have to do this for work, then it's like the benefits could be fun if I, but I had to like frame it. I had to reframe it and put it in its correct category and place. Well, yeah, that's the, it's so funny because I think a lot about how, honestly, I think one of the biggest like blessings in disguise that we have had for the past two years is that we decided the same year as a pandemic to like, like without knowing it, that to yeah. like have a, like to start a, to start a conquer a classic, you know, and really yeah. the past two years, I think that one of, I, I, and I think you might agree with me that one of my biggest like constants is the thing that's kind of like kept me somewhat structured is having these like check-ins every month. Yes. You know, with these big books. Yes, absolutely. So has anything changed about your reading life? Like I'm hearing a lot of customers say, oh, my favorite genres have changed or I'm reading, like I said, like I'm reading more feel-good fiction than normal for me. Like Mm -hmm. has your reading life changed or do you feel kind of settling back into your typical genres I'm just curious, did you notice any patterns to things that changed because of pandemic brain? Yeah, I noticed. Well, first of all, I just knew that I, like nothing was really sticking with me enough. Like, I think that like for the first six months, nothing really, nothing stuck with me, really. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I, it's almost like whenever I was thinking about, I could, you know, because a while back we did like a top 10 so far. Yes. And I think we both were like, well, is anything even sticking with us? Because, <laughs> you know, because it just felt, yes. you know? Um, yes. But I think that, um, like back in the, at the end of August, I read Intimacies by Katie Kinemura and then, mm-hmm. you know, Brandon Taylor, uh, Filthy Animals Collection, Maggie Shipstead's Great Circle. And then I like, mm-hmm. and I kind of hit my stride with all those. And then I read Virtue by Hermione Hobie. And I was, and that was like a more like, it, it was kind of like, it was, 
it was literary, but it was it was such a fun age type. Yes. Okay. And I, and it's like I read that, and I was like, oh, this is a book that I really typically like, and I'm really enjoy. Like I was so <laughs> surprised to be enjoying a book I normally like. Yes. And and I think since you know, and and I've read a couple books since then that are more long. You know, like uh, like I reread Matrix, and I read Bewilderment, like you, and mm-hmm. have just been kind of like smitten with with books that I typically like again. And so for the first six months, like just, I just was not like, I was not liking anything at all, really. Like I, and I tried to read outside of my typical genre too, but the past, the past like two ish months, I've, I've gotten back into loving the books that I typically love. Do you think that, okay, think about early pandemic days, which we'll call 2020 mm-hmm. <laughs> and then latter pandemic days, which we'll call 2021. <laughs> I feel like my reading life was worse, for lack of a better term, harder. My reading life was harder to manage the first six months of this year than 2020. I think that in the beginning, I think that's the thing, right? I think in the beginning, we were all stressed out because we were like, oh no, there's a pandemic. And then we kind of like were getting settled because we were like, well, okay, we have to go on. But Mm -hmm. then I think at some point we we were like, okay, but like, are things going to get better? I think that, you know, and I think that like for like most of this year, it's just been like, we'll see. Like, I think that's the thing. We have not had the, like no one, I don't, I don't, I don't see how anyone has had the mental space for anything aside from that one question of will things ever get better? Yeah. I think you're right. I think we're spending a lot of mental energy on that one question and early 2020, it's almost like not early 2020, Early pandemic, mm-hmm. March to December 2020. I feel like I was running on adrenaline most yeah. of the time. And then weirdly, the bookshelf was closing earlier. So I would come home at 4 p.m. I think this is actually legitimately true. Here in the South, our weather was better last year. Like <laughs> it didn't rain as much last summer. And I sat by my pool and read book after book after book and was surprised by I think about the book Most Likely by Sarah Watson. Mm -hmm. I think that book kind of came out of nowhere. It was this young adult book. I picked it up on a whim, loved it. Like I felt like I came across a lot of those in 2020. And then it's like 2021 hit and there was a wall. And the only, I think the thing that I have been kind of surprised by, and you do this better and more often than I do, but I have discovered audiobooks have helped me. Mm -hmm. And being willing to both physically read a book and supplement it with audio format has helped me in a way that I don't know if that'll be how I am forever. But I have finished some books this year that I do not think I would have finished otherwise. But I was able to listen through Libro FM and do both, which is not something I really had tried until last year, you and I read Anna Kay. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time I like read and listened to a book just because of time constraints. And this year I've done the same thing with Jane Austen, but also with my life in Middlemarch with, this was kind of a surprise, but with the book, The Silent Patient, I had very little patience for that book reading it, but then I listened to it while I was cleaning my house one day and listened to the whole book, Uh, you know, which is not, which is, I would not have been able to do that because I had too much to do. So Mm -hmm. that is one kind of change in my reading life that I do not think existed pre-pandemic. I would listen to an audiobook or read it. There was no combining of the two, but you do that a lot. Yeah, actually, it's so funny. I'm I it's another one of those things where I'm so glad that I discovered 
that I kind of was, I, cause I, I used to think I didn't like audiobooks, even though I don't know why, cause I've literally spent, I didn't realize I'd forgotten that I had a history of audiobooks for since my childhood, but I, but I was, I listened to uh, busy Phillips memoir. This will yeah. only hurt a little. And I literally, I like, I, ta- I taken the day off and this was like, this is before the pandemic, but I taken the day off and I, and I saw, Oh, I'll clean and listen. I literally ended up crawling in my bed and spending eight hours listening to her <laughs> read this book to me. And I think that I'm so glad I, I fell in love with audiobooks because of her book, because it's, it was a saving grace and has been a saving grace throughout the pandemic because so many of the times I've been able to get out of my head, my own bad headspace has been by listening to books that I knew I wanted to read, but my, my whole body was just like, no. Yes. Yeah. There is something about that. Like I have been able to read more, I think, because of supplementing my physical reading with audiobook reading. Mm-hmm. I also, and this sounds counterintuitive, but I have given up on books more easily. So mm-hmm. you talked about choosing, especially with books that you knew you would really like, like you chose to power through. There were some that I, I mean, I have a giant stack by my front door every month where I, at the end of each month, it's almost like, um, it feels like confession or like purging my sins. Like at the end of the month, I'm like, oh, this is the stack of books that I am not going to get to. And I'm just going to admit that I'm done. That is also very, it's so funny because I feel like we flip-flopped because I used to give a fun book super easy and you yes. used to be the person who stayed committed. Yes, we have. Because you, you, I think, used to tell me, oh, if it's not, if I'm not in it by 50 pages, and now yeah. that's honestly my rule. Like, I have given up on books this year that I should have liked, but mm-hmm. I just thought, now, wait a minute, I don't have time. And yeah. I don't think, I think pre-pandemic, I had the wherewithal to power through and to stick to something. I don't have that energy anymore. I think one day I'll get it back, but I do not have it now. And so I have been much more ready to give up on a book if needed. I also, did you write this note in here? Did you write any notes in here? Are these all mine? I think all these are yours. Okay. (laughs) I think it's funny. I wrote down, forget books more easily. Mm-hmm. I think I am going to finish this year. And it's like you said, we came up with like our top 10 at the midpoint of the year. I don't know. There are a handful of books that will stick with me by December 31st, 2021. I'm not sure what they will be. I have my suspicions. I have my guesses. But I think I will enter 2022 and be like, what did I read last year? I have, <laughs> I have oh, yeah. no idea. Like, well, and that's the thing too, by the way. I like, listen, I have got... Uh, like I mean, and this is I, yes, this is a brag. I have a stellar memory. Like, you do. The, like I, it, like yeah, it is like I'm like try me, you know, to anyone. <laughs> and so it is so surprising to me to go from having. I mean, I can literally quote anything about anything. I like I'm constantly referencing like like movies and books, and I can tell you like all every finalist for every national book award. And yet, I forgot. That I had like the other day, I was looking through books and I said, Oh, I was like, I should read this one. I think it came out this year. And I had read it, gave it a glowing <laughs> review. Um, could not, could not even remember what it was about. Yeah. I think I will have a lot of books this year. And it doesn't mean they're bad books because I think this says a lot more about us than it does about the content. I think it just says a lot about our current mental state. Mm-hmm. But I think I will end this year. And have a lot of trouble remembering. And I don't have the memory you do. Like, I frequently will say, I remember bo- how books made me feel. I do not mm-hmm. remember character names, etc. But I think there will be books that I just completely block from memory accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> because I honestly think there are weeks <laughs> from this year that I'm going to be like, I don't need to remember that. 
<laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. That's another thing too. You know, like you know, it's we forget sometimes how how much books and music and movies and even the foods we eat during a really trying time like mm-hmm. make it really difficult. Like you, know, you, like you, if you're going to exercise, like these, like horrific moments from your mind and your life like you have to also kind of like jettison everything else that's related to it mm-hmm. what are the books that you think you will remember as the books that helped you make it through the pandemic that helped restore your love of reading like i'm thinking of these as wins like these are the books that despite my my current incapacitated state (laughs) like like these are still the books that were able to make a mark for sure milk blood heat by um don teal moniz moniz i uh but her short story collection i read it like at the very like tail end of last year but like it was a 21 21 release and i have reread the collection several times since and there was just something it is it is truly a book that felt written for me as a reader. And so that mm-hmm. kind of gave me like a false, like a false sense of hope for like my reading year. <laughs> yeah. And then uh great circle by Maggie Shipset is one that I am so glad I read just because I, it has been so hard for me to commit to longer books. And that's like a 600 page mm-hmm. book that like I ended up loving. I I'm trying to think like I, and I've, I mean, obviously like matrix is a obvious, Oh, a backlist book that restored my faith in humanity was actually well actually i will say two of them um i read home and lila um yes which you've read you uh, did you read jack yet i've not read jack yet okay but you read the other two yes yeah i read did i read lila i know i read home and yeah. this is the year i reread gilead That's like right. i i reread it I, I had forgotten all about that till you just said it i reread that this year because i i went to the beach with my parents they mm-hmm. basically made me go like <laughs> Like, like, do you ever just think the people in your life are kind of like, mm, you need some help? <laughs> like, yes. And, and it was April, I'm pretty sure, April of this year. Mm-hmm. And I went with them for a weekend. And I only packed books I knew would, like, restore me to myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I took Gilead. I took a collection of Flannery O'Connor short stories, which I hadn't touched since college. And just felt so at peace in reading these books that reminded me of my former selves too. Mm -hmm. There is something so profoundly comforting about that. And I am not, you know, I'm not a huge rereader at all, but there was something about it that I found. Yeah. I guess comforting is the right word. It's so funny because when I, when I read home this year, which I, it's like, I, I, I had tried to read home, many times before and could not connect with it but somehow i ended up connecting with it this year of all years (laughs) and when i finished and that's like like and you and i've talked about how we want to talk about uh, maybe at some point like um books that just like like perfect endings to books Mm -hmm. but i truly think that home has such a perfect ending yeah and you've talked about crying at the end of gilead but like i was like i was at first of all i should not be reading at work um but i do (laughs) And then uh, I was reading, I read home, I finished it at work and I was literally like crying. And like, I was like, and I was like, I was like standing outside of people's offices, like hollering through my mask. And I was like, I'm very moved. (laughs) That's how I felt about finishing um, Meghama Jumdar's A Burning. 
That was a book that I read last year. I have, and this is what I mean. I cannot always remember character names, but I will never forget. We were back open at the store, but like things were still weird. Mm -hmm. And I got to the store before anybody else. And so the store was not open yet. The doors were locked. It was dark and quiet. And I was like, I have a lot of work to do, but I'm going to finish this book first. And I literally sat in the downstairs floor of the bookshelf and I wept, but I also just was kind of stunned. Like I finished it and I was like, I don't know what to do now. (laughs) Like like, I don't know what to do with myself now. And there is something, it's like, it's like I needed to be moved but didn't know how to get those feelings out. It wasn't even like I had knowingly suppressed those feelings. It's just like through adrenaline or just sheer force of will or need. Like I knew I need to run my business. I need to get through this pandemic. Like I didn't know that I also needed to grieve or to feel. And books really did help me do that. When I think about books that I've read in the last 12 to 18 months. Interestingly, lots of grief books come to mind and grief memoirs. I think about Crying in H Mart mm-hmm. by Michelle Zahner. Like, and that is a book like you with Lauren Groff. I started Crying in H Mart, loved the first chapter, which is the essay the book is kind of mm-hmm. based around and on, loved it. Then kept reading and was like, this is good. But I put it down, picked it back up three months later devoured it, loved it, picked it as a shelf subscription title. So it's just, it's just funny to me how books also, it's not wrong for the effect of a book to be impacted by your mood or state of mind. Like mm-hmm. that's okay. That's called humanity. <laughs> like, yeah. like I, but it was, it was shocking to me how deeply moved I was by that book, especially after starting it and really liking it, but not, not thinking or knowing if I would have the power to finish and then picking it back up and being so deeply moved. These books about grief, when we all, to some extent, were experiencing collective grief, but without our traditional mechanisms of grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found a lot of those books. The Death of Viveka Jai is another one that comes to mind. Like mm. these books that I just felt like almost like, um, <laughs> you know, when Cher like slap in Moonstruck, she like slaps him in the face and she's like, snap out of it. Like, I almost feel like books needed to do that to me. Mm-hmm. Like Annie feels something. Annie, wake up. Like it's, you have things that you need to think and feel. And so those, those come to mind or books that left me unsettled, like Ruman Alam's book, leave the world behind. Like, like there are just yeah. books, right? Like that you just, I felt like I would never feel anything again or like books would not have the power to move me ever again. And then they did. It's so funny that like speaking, like I know that nobody wants to like read a book that, um, that encapsulates the feeling of 2020, but I feel like leave the world behind was truly that book. Yes. And it, but it's what I needed. Like, it is what, like, I needed to know yeah. that other people were feeling exactly that, you know. It's like that claustrophobic, um, kind of terror filled. I, my, my story about finishing that book, which I feel like I have told on this podcast a couple of times, but Jordan and I had like gone to Savannah to try to safely air quotes vacation in mm-hmm. any way that we could last late last summer, like August of last year. And I read <laughs> leave the world behind. And I looked at Jordan and I was like, please drive me 
out into the world so I can just see a person. Like, I, yeah. like it was so deeply unsettling, yeah. but I think I needed to feel that way. I think yeah. I needed, I needed that. And I know there are some readers for whom that sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think I did really need that kind of slap in the face book moment. I actually put that as my number one pick for uh, like I like I was I ranked I did a personal ranking of the National Book Award long list for 2020 a couple of days ago and I put Leave the World Behind as my number one pick because I thought like that book truly encapsulates everything and so many people messaged me and they were like that book made me so uncomfortable like, they were so <laughs> upset by it they were like I cannot like and so you know I, and I it's I don't know listen I'm the kind of person where like if I'm wounded. I'm going to take out the bullet, you know, like I'm like, I'm not <laughs> yes. just going to. Yeah. Yes. And you want a book like I could understand how that book could make your top list because a book isn't just about how it made you feel, although that is a huge part. It's also about the book that speaks to the moment. Mm-hmm. And there, that to me was a book that encapsulated a lot of the feelings and a lot of the moments we were living through in 2020. And I don't know how he did it because he wrote that book (laughs) way before 2020. So I don't know how that's possible. But but to me, my favorite books of the year are the ones that, yes, make me feel something, but also speak to the current history we're living. Transcendent Kingdom, I think, did that a little mm-hmm. bit to me last year as well. So there, like literary fiction, I didn't completely ditch. Like there were still yeah. things that I really liked, but I guess I found myself realizing it was okay to supplement my favorite genre, literary mm-hmm. fiction, with a middle grade favorite or the Babysitters Club or yeah. most likely like I or Millennial Nuns. Like it mm-hmm. taught me that it was okay to keep reading literary fiction, but I it was okay if I didn't have a steady diet of it. Yeah. Also, side note, did I ever tell, I don't know if I told you this, but just a quick little fi- funny side thing. I read both Transcendent Kingdom and um, Luster by Raven, Raven Leila, oh gosh, I can't remember her name. Um, but I read both, Like, and Luster was like a really big, it, she was a 535, last year it was like a big deal of a book and she anyway i read both of those while i had covid and i read luster not knowing i had covid and i (laughs) let me tell you something reading a book when you don't even realize that you have like i (laughs) i was so i was like i was like why Raven Leilani yeah i i was so confused by it and i and i literally thought i thought it was the book being mm-hmm. like messing me up and then all of a sudden like i get a call after i had because i had gotten tested to see it and then they were like oh you have and i was like oh thank goodness i was worried <laughs> this i was worried that the book and so every time someone asks me they're like, they're like how is that i always tell people like oh yeah it's a mind trip and then they read it and they're like what no it's not like what <laughs> i want to know if you're okay saying i want to know do you think covid has had a long-term impact on your attention span Oh yes, I listen. I cannot do it. Like I am convinced. Like do you, I don't know why anyone would want this. Like it was, it's miserable. I still like every. First of all, I have really bad chest pain still, and I know that's partly because I have a lot of energy drinks. But I'm also gonna blame it on COVID. And you got it early because it was scary mm-hmm. when you got it. Like I remember being scared for you because we still didn't know very much. I mean, it's still scary, but like we didn't know a lot about it, and 
Um, I do think there is a long-term, I think I have not had COVID. I, I think I too have a changed attention span and a changed capacity. But I think for people who have had COVID and for whom reading is typically a comfort and a joy, yeah. I guess if you're listening to this and you had COVID and you feel like you'll never be the same, I, I would like to encourage you. I think you will be the same, but be kind to yourself because your attention span probably really has changed. Yeah. like I, It's so funny because I... After I had it, it was a, it was about two and a half, three weeks where I realized that everything I was reading, I it was it literally felt like it was just flooding right back out of my brain, mm-hmm. and that you weren't retaining anything. Yes, and yeah. that was really tough, and it has continued. And even now, it's so funny because like the the, the days because si- spoiler sorry to anyone who's <laughs> going to be disappointed in me, but the first day I I was sick. I was so like you're. I'm telling you, when you're when you have it, you don't realize that like your brain is so messed up. You don't even realize what you're doing. And so I had gone into thankfully like nobody else was in the office, but I'd gone into work and I sat mm-hmm. at my desk for three and a half hours. And all of a sudden, I looked up and realized my computer wasn't even on yet. Oh my gosh! And, and I was like, oh, and I and I text my boss and said, I think I need to go home. And I had been like made like I, they wanted me to go into work, even though I like so I. And then finally, I kept saying, oh, I don't think I can come in. I still am not feeling well. And, and, and then, so like, you know, so yeah. And then, and then my brain just didn't work for a while. And, and, but that anyway, but my feeling, my point, what I was going to say was, is that that thing of like staring, staring up, looking up at your computer after three and a half hours, realizing it's not on. I still have those moments. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, I, I think those are going to stay for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but I have had less and less of them as the year has gone on. And so like, and there's no shame. I think we talked briefly about your reading speed and your reading mm-hmm. capacity. And I told Jordan last night, like I've read way more books than I thought I would have read this mm-hmm. year, but I'll use, it's just on my brain. Cause you and I are about to record another <laughs> episode, but my life in Middlemarch is on my brain because that's what I've read most recently. And there were multiple times in reading that book that I had to stop reread the paragraph I had just read, or I had to pause the audiobook, go find my physical copy. And I guess I, that's the other bit of encouragement I would say is like, it's okay if your brain isn't functioning the way you're used to it functioning. Like Mm -hmm. if you're not retaining information the way you're used to retaining it, or if you're, if things aren't quite holding your attention the way they once were, I just think that that that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with rereading a paragraph multiple times or, you know, listening to an audiobook and rewinding 15 seconds. Like there's just nothing wrong with kind of using these tactics and tools to make up for all that our brains are doing. Cause I think that's the thing, right? You put the, I think you said it perfectly. Our brains are busy trying to answer this question of when is this going to get better? Mm -hmm. And so to read a book is superfluous. Like, like, yeah. like to read a book, um, your brain may just be really busy trying to solve other problems. <laughs> and so be yeah. kind to your brain. Well, and also it's so funny. I want to say, I, I would love to know if people who have had, have had to deal with a significant trauma are c- maybe coping a little bit better with this than people who mm. maybe have not, because I feel like, I mean, and like, not to like, you know, but I think a lot about like what I, things I had gone through when I was younger and how some of this is actually, I'm like, oh, I'm like, it's fine. Like I can actually like do pretty well with this versus like, there's some people I know who have had like, like pr- and it's not like, and it's not like a comparison thing, but it is just interesting to see some people who I know haven't really been through as much 
and they're mm-hmm. really struggling. And it makes me think of this movie with Kristen Dunst called, um, it's, oh, what's it called? Melancholia, I believe. And oh, yeah. Yeah. And in that movie, it's like, it's about to be the end of the world. And Kristen Dunst, you know, she's like, she's super depressed, but she is totally fine. She's like, okay, like, let's get this together. And mm-hmm. everyone else who's normal is in a panic. Mm-hmm. And I think that- Oh, I think there's something to that. Yeah. And so I think, I don't know. So I think that's something like that's worth, I would, I would really be interested in, in some p- people exploring that, even with their own selves, just, yeah, you know. You know, in in book therapy, in yeah. in literary therapy, yeah. Hunter, this has been a delight. I knew I wanted to have this conversation, and I wanted to record it. <laughs> like I feel like you and I could have had this conversation on our own, but I really, I guess, I just wanted. I, I'm hearing so much from customers in store, whether it's Mary Catherine has commented that a lot of people are coming in and like almost with a, with a look of panic in their face saying, do you have a feel good book? Like, can I just have something light and fun? And then I know that Keela and Olivia have fallen in love with TJ Clune because of the way his books have made them feel like, Mm -hmm. I think people are however the pandemic is affecting them, because I think it's different for different people, there is still this collective response of the capacity has changed, the tastes may have changed. And so I guess I just wanted to record an episode that made people know you're not alone. It is okay. You could be you could be like me where you're, you're reading life has changed a little bit. Your favorite genres aren't maybe what they used to be, but there is hope. Like there are books out there for you. And maybe your reading life will also ultimately improve because you'll put, Mm -hmm. I just think I'm setting boundaries on my reading life in a way that might actually help me long-term. Whereas I, if I were to be going at the same rate of like 2019, I'm not sure, I'm not sure where I'd be. So anyway, I just, I'm grateful to you for having this conversation with me. I'm grateful to you always for everything. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, what I'm reading is brought to you by Visit Thomasville. I began working in Thomasville the summer of 2013, but it took me a long time to acclimate to begin to think of Thomasville as home. And Thomasville hosts lots of small town events, like things that make you feel like you're living the Stars Hollow Hallmark movie life. But it wasn't until October of 2013 that I had my moment, this moment where I realized I could do this, I could stay here. So every October on the Thursday or Friday closest to Halloween, all of the students from our local downtown preschools, and there are several, (laughs) dress up for Halloween and they parade down Broad Street, which is where the bookshelf is. Business owners sit outside of their businesses and pass out candy. And it was on a, I just have this very vivid memory. It was on a still slightly humid October morning, sitting in front of the bookshelf, greeting these kids that I read to in story time, seeing them dress as farm animals and movie superheroes and realizing, oh, I love where I live. 
I love what Thomasville has to offer. It was really this magical moment for me. So to find out how you can visit Thomasville, or dare I say it, call Thomasville home, go to thomasvillega.com. This week, I'm reading Groundskeeping by Lee Cole. Hunter, what are you reading? I'm reading The Souvenir Museum by Elizabeth McCracken. Thank you again to our sponsor, Visit Thomasville. Whether you live close by or are passing through, I really do believe you would enjoy a visit to beautiful Thomasville, Georgia. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes. Or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and you can participate in monthly lunch break Q&A videos. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.